ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, domos de caballeros, guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to the Walt Street Journal. It is the official podcast of the R Walt Disney World subreddit. My name is Zach Grimm. I am super excited that you have decided to join us for this episode of the Wall Street Journal. And as always, I am joined by some of the uh, amazing team, uh, the, the moderator team of the Discord and the subreddit for our Walt Disney World. First up, please, Amber is here with us again. Amber, how are you? Woohoo! Hello, everyone. <laughs> and in addition to Amber, we also have, uh, we called him last time, we called him Magic Band Matt. We're going to keep that going until we come up with a new nickname. Matt is back with us. Matt, you are fresh off of a Disneyland trip, and you've got a Disney World trip in like a number of days, right? Yeah, I, you know, that's the secret to keeping away the Disney blues is you just keep going back. <laughs> just keep going and going like the Energizer Bunny, just going back. Before we get in, as, as we do every episode of the Wall Street Journal, we take a look at the past two weeks of the R. Walt Disney World subreddit. We look at the top five uh, most popular posts. We kind of go through those. But before we get into that, Matt, I want to give you the floor for about five minutes. You have been to Disneyland since we last talked. I want to hear a trip report. I want to hear the highs and the lows. I want to hear what you thought of the uh, of the the center of the Disney Parks universe. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so the first thing that I did was I had a full solo day. And I've done a solo day before. Um, that was at Disney Sea. I happened to have a chance to do that. But then this was my first domestic solo uh, solo day. And that was honestly one of my top days in all of Disney World, or sorry, Disneyland. Well, all of Disney Parks, but it was very nice at Disneyland. I uh, did a lot of lightning lanes on my own, was able to do a lot of single rider lines, uh, really took advantage of the day. And it's kind of, I, I love going with other people, but it is nice in terms of, okay, what, what do I want to do? And that's the only thing I have to think about. So the solo <laughs> day was really, really cool. Um, saw World of Color for the first time, and that mm-hmm. I was there before the holidays transitioned. So saw World of Color, uh, thought that was a pretty. I was pretty impressed by the show. I really liked that show. Then a couple of days later, I came back with some uh, with a family, some friends who now have a family, and uh, they had a little twenty month old. So that was a little bit different. I've normally just gone and planned adult trips, but this time I did a lot of kid-related planning, um, including, like, putting in a nap into the middle of the day. <laughs> and I and stroller parking, which is, I, I mean, you could probably do a whole video on just stroller parking. Uh, Welcome <laughs> to the most underrated planning section of Disney uh, planning. That is uh, figuring out what to do with your strollers. Yeah, yeah so that's legit. And I, I can imagine that if you asked couples what the most stressed out or like the biggest thing that caused them arguments on a trip, it would probably be the strollers because those things get moved around and, you know, you talk to one cast member and they're like, Oh, we put them over there. And then the other person, you know, of maybe the other spouse says like, no, we put them over here. And (laughs) yeah, but it was honestly that I I'm probably hyping that up a little bit too much. Um, cause it really wasn't it was, it was just one incident really. That was all. Uh, but besides that, it was pretty smooth sailing. Uh, having, having a kid made it a little bit different, but not too terribly different. We really took advantage of those afternoons and was, mm-hmm. we did some of the bigger things like the space mountain or guardians, those types of rides that, uh, my friend's wife was also pregnant. So we had to take in that, take into account, uh, what she could or couldn't do. But I think, um, I think they had a really good time. We got to meet a lot of characters. That is probably one of the bigger perks of Disneyland, in my opinion, is, I mean, we saw Mary Poppins and others walking around. We saw the Alice in Wonderland characters walking around. I'm not just, not like walking out and forming a line, but really just walking around. Uh, My friend, he took his daughter and sat on the carousel next to Mary Poppins, and they got to ride the carousel just talking to Mary Poppins. Uh, so that was really cool. We did the Plaza Inn breakfast, uh, quick review of that. Like the food was not anything to write home about, but having all those characters, um, really made the kiddos day and they got to do a bunch of autographs with, and pictures with the, with Minnie and, um, all the other characters there. So I think, um, 
I don't know. I just had a really good time. Got to see the holiday fireworks, which were not great, honestly. The Really? Yeah, the, it was... Yeah, I, the fireworks themselves are not the biggest draw to me for the fireworks show. It's more the, I would say, the projections and music at this point. Um, and with with such a differently sized castle at Disneyland, the projections just can't be as impressive in my opinion. But the music wasn't really anything to write home about either. And, um, but I will say Fantasmic was incredible. Got to see Fantasmic. And that is like probably peak or close to peak nighttime spectaculars and saw world of color holiday. And I really like the world of color holiday, really any of the holiday stuff. Um, I tend to like a little bit more just cause it kind of has that double whammy of Disney magic and Christmas magic. So love the holidays. Uh, really like the holiday overlay of haunted mansion that that's a fun one. Um, I've never done it myself. I, I want to. I'm a big Nightmare Before Christmas fan, so like, yeah. I'm jealous of anybody who's gotten to do it. It's it's really cool. Um, they do some cool things with it, and it's fun knowing what the ride is normally and seeing the different augmentations. Small World Holiday is a blast. I I love Small World Holiday, Holiday where they intersperse the traditional song for the ride with the different holiday carols. Uh yeah, those were uh, some of the overlays were really special. The pirates there is a bit different. Got to eat at Blue Bay- Bayou, and that was really fun. Um, pretty good food there. Ate at Caffeine Orleans, and that was our Cafe Orleans, and that was uh, pretty tasty. I was kind of surprised because I heard mixed reviews about it, but I was pretty impressed. Lamplight Lounge was pretty tasty. The Holiday Booths, that's a fun little bit you can do there is the holiday booths um and they do different festivals kind of like epcot but at dca right so yeah i don't know i really had a good time um i would say the high was really all of the nighttime spectaculars all together um would be the high because i think disney does that best and um the low would just i don't know if there's really a low to be honest uh there are some unique challenges to going with a young child but seeing all the benefits of that and seeing Disney through their eyes is makes all of that worth it. I think. Yeah. I mean, I've, our, our son's four and he's gone to Disney now. He went to Disney when he was three months, when he was a year, year and a half. And, uh, and then two, I'm sorry, two and a half. And then just before uh, he was, four so he's been a bunch as very young child so it's it's really interesting to see the difference and my, my son's a little on the nervous side so like he's not a huge fan of big characters and and all that kind of stuff but just seeing like you know the nighttime spectacular stuff like him just seeing little parades and stuff like that those are the things that are really interesting to see because like for us you know we see the festival of fantasy parade which i love and it's really cool um but you know, he he would see like the with the friendship fair uh, parade, and it was just like a huge deal. That oh, there's there's Chip and Dale, and just seeing like the excitement in his eyes. That I mean, they Disney sells it, and it's really cliche now. But like making those memories is a legit thing. Mm-hmm. I think that really happens. So uh, I'm glad you had I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. Uh, the one question I did want to ask you: Did you have either a corn dog or a churro? which everybody says Disneyland corn dogs and churros are far better than Disney World. Yeah, uh did not have a corn dog. I did have two churros. Uh I got a pumpkin pie churro from one of the flows. Nope. Just a no on my part. Nope. <laughs> I loved it. It was <laughs> Really? Yeah, and then I uh was able to go to the Magic Key Terrace with a friend and we had the churro up there uh and it came yeah. with some caramel ice cream as well, so that was oh. really really tasty you see where my my priorities lie i will always ask about the food at disney parks it is my favorite thing yeah that's part of it yeah look at any of the i don't know what they're officially called the popcorn little things that like yeah i know there's a name you know what i mean like at all the the popcorn stands they have these original like little things like they're making the popcorn and little dolls and stuff oh the the, like the things that turn right i don't know like what are they called the popcorn things like that was one of the things that i thought was really interesting but yeah they Mm -hmm. corn dogs they hand dip them there 
So that was that was a bummer you missed that because they're actually I, I I think they are better. I mean I love Casey's. Don't get me wrong, but uh, can't beat a hand dipped corn dog. True story. Roasty toasties. That's Roasty what those toasties. things are called. The okay. popcorn turners. Roasty toasties. So they're all dressed up as different characters that have yeah. turned them. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you will have to let us know because you're going to. It's we're recording this on the 27th of November, so you leave in like what three yeah. days, two days yeah. to go to Walt Disney yep. World, and I leave tomorrow. And Amber and Amber leaves tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> oh. We're going to the same Fantasmic, I think. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, on Wednesday, probably. Yeah. I think we'll I think need. We'll need a photo so we can post that in the sub yeah. so everybody can see. Oh, I did have one thing I wanted to say. Uh, one little tip. So I would say that I'm a little bit more sensitive to sounds and loud noises. And I happen to have had some earplugs for other reasons that I happen to just carry with me um, on trips and such. And I use those during Haunted Mansion, during Small World, during Fantasmic. And it was just enough where I could still hear the narration. Anything that was spoken was um, clear enough for me, but all the sound was turned down way like more manageable. Uh, so if anyone has maybe higher sensitivity to that or maybe someone in your party, your family, friend has higher sensitivity, I would definitely recommend earplugs, even in the parks. Um, they can go a long way in helping the experience be more manageable. I believe that my son... Doesn't like loud noises either, but he's young. So we, we have like the, the larger, they almost look like construction uh, ear, ear muffs, ear plugs, whatever. Um, so he, he wears those when he gets a little nervous or it's a little too loud. And those really helped on this last trip that we went um, in September, uh, end of September. So yeah, I, I second that. If you, if you need a little escape from kind of the, the noise and the craziness, earplugs, uh, headphones, something like that. Definitely, definitely helpful. But, you know, this is the Wall Street Journal, and we have to go through our top stories, our top five stories from the subreddit. So let's start with number one. Uh, It's about popcorn buckets. No, of course not. The last two weeks, the only thing anything has been talking about, and the winner of the Who's Gonna Post It First seemed to be a user Pops992 seven days ago. Bob Iger is returning as CEO. Cast members were notified via an email and more news came out. It was one week ago today. Um, so just to give everybody, if you don't know, one, what are you doing listening to this podcast? You probably know this, but Bob Chapek, now former CEO of the Walt Disney Company, uh, he was, uh, they reached a mutual uh, a mutual understanding for him to leave the position as CEO and Bob Iger came back on a two-year deal Bob Iger will be back essentially steadying the ship while he looks to train or looks to to find a successor for the CEO role. Uh, I believe Bob Chapek will be, God, he just had his contract renewed this past summer for another four years, which means he will have his full four years paid out uh, for the remainder, uh, unless there's a buyout, which has not become public yet. And Bob Iger, I believe his salary is $1 million a year base, but then has a lot of incentives that could be upwards of 20 to 30 million a year with stocks and everything like that. Uh, so Bob Iger, real rich dude, uh, and uh, Bob Chapek, real rich dude for not having to do anything now. So let's talk a little bit about this. This is, I would venture to say that this is probably the biggest Disney news since maybe the opening of Animal Kingdom, like a fourth gate, like this, this is unprecedented. This is crazy when it comes to it. Uh, I mean, the pandemic, you know, shutting down the parks. Yeah, great. But like, this is a huge news that has ramifications across every single part of the Disney, uh, the Disney company. So, you know, Amber, let me ask you this. Chapek is gone, which I think that everybody on this call, everybody on this show, and many other people have been calling for or hoping for in some way, shape or form haven't really loved the direction of the company under Bob Chapek, but what does this ultimately mean for the companies for the company slash the parks in the short term, in your opinion, like tomorrow, are we going to go? And now is, He's already is everything going to be back things in the week? I mean, it, so it, it's hard to really know because some things could have been in the works, right? We don't really know all the details yet, but like, we know, should quantify everything. We're saying this is, 
we believe, we think, rumors, reports, nothing is official. Because, you know, unless we're there, we don't really know the back end stuff. But I know, like, it was like, you know, Bob, the first Bob. <laughs> we're calling the other Bob Plus now. Um, but, like, you know, a reg- like, he was going to lay off a bunch of people. And then I heard that Iger came in and was like, no, we're not doing that. Um, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook from cast members who are happy, ecstatic that Iger is coming back. Everyone loves him. They say he's very personable. He listens. Um, and I think that's, was kind of the big thing that, that, you know, I've said this before. And I think I said this last time, like when I went in May, it felt so different. The cast members just did not seem happy like they usually do. Um, and it was very noticeable. It would be interesting to go, you know, this week and see, like my ex-husband was there last week and, you know, he said everything was great. You know, like everybody seemed happy. Of course, like he went <laughs> on the high of the news. Ding <laughs> dong, the witch know? is dead. The witch is dead. The yeah, witch is dead. That's like... I was like, I was thinking that when you said he was gone, I was playing that song in my head because so many people just disliked him. I mean, I hope that he brings back some of the magic. I don't really know what that is, um, but... I think the cast members will be happier, which I think will give the guests a better experience. I'm hoping, I mean, everything I have read from ex Imagineers to the standard cast members that you'll see in shops and ride operators and stuff like that. They all felt that again, this is the generalization, but from everything I have read and seen and talked to, uh, and I have, I have family that works not at Disney right now, but works at universal both character and stuff and, and, and kind of management and things like that. So they know a lot too. And I've talked to them and they have told me that it's Bob Chapek just never felt, he never va- felt as if he valued the cast members. Everything cliche was a number. It was all just in a spreadsheet. It didn't matter that, Oh, this person had been working for Imagineering for 20 years, 25 years it was at the end of the day, that's just a number. Who cares? He's just going to give me a product that I'm going to sell. Um, and that was a big part of it. I think uh, Jim Schull, who's a former Imagineer, he was an Imagineer for 30 some odd years. I follow him on Twitter, a really great mm-hmm. follow on Twitter if you're a fan. Um, he said that this, or he retweeted somebody who said that he le- uh, they left Imagineering a couple months after Chapek took over. And in that whole time, Bob Chapek never once stepped foot in any office or conference room or building that Imagineering was in, not even just since introduce himself, not, nothing like that. And I feel like that's really telling for where, if that is true, for where Bob Chapek's priorities lied, laid, lied, for but where they were. It worked out for him. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, well, he's got a contract. He's going to be paid out for doing nothing, but yeah. It was, yeah. So he got paid, but... <laughs> You know, he he definitely looks like he's a Disney villain. I mean, I mean, he looks like a Disney villain to begin with, with the bald head and the beard, uh, but like like the Duke of Weaselton from Frozen. Uh, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. Matt, tell me, in your opinion, what can Iger now CEO again do in the next two years that would ultimately gain trust back for the Disney brand that I think legitimately has had some tarnish on it. Now, what are the, what are the the top things for you that he could do that would make the quote unquote magic kind of start coming back? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is what he most clearly failed to do, which was to have someone succeed him in a way that was, that recognize that storytelling is the heart of Disney. And just like uh, you all were discussing about the relationships with Imagineering, like the Disney brand, everyone is a guest, every relationship, the, the, I know, you know, they've got their, their duties to the shareholders. They've got financial, they've got a bottom line. Those are realities that they have to face, but ultimately what they're in the, what they're selling is a relationship. They're selling a relationship with each and every one of us. And for the CEO not to embody what the brand is, I think that you're going to, that's when you see, um, I mean, if the head of Nike, I don't know who the head of Nike is, but if they hated sports, like what, (laughs) what is going on there? Um, But it just seems like what Iger really needs to do is 
really needs to fix that primary mistake, which is not having somebody in his wings ready to be the next in line for bringing Disney into the next hundred years. That's uh, that's really interesting that you automatically went to like figuring out the next, the next person to hold the keys. Cause I think that's, that's very key. I feel like in two years now, Bob Iger has to come into a completely different, uh, a completely different landscape than he left a, a post COVID landscape, a possible recession landscape, all of that and find somebody who hasn't left or maybe go out and get somebody who left and bring them back to then groom them in this new company culture to get them to be able to take the keys and run with it uh, in a very uncertain time. I mean, Disney plus and streaming is here to stay, but I think that what was the, the ultimate thing that did in Bob uh, Chapek was the $1.5 billion loss this past year on the Disney plus streaming side. Um, So that's, that is a, a big chunk of change to lose. And, and a you know a path to profitability for that and figuring out what you can do with the parks because I'll say that for me like my family the three of us we have annual passes that are expiring in five days and we're not planning to renew them because it's not it's not a, a we don't get the ROI on them that we used to we don't feel like uh, and they're just absurdly expensive right now and that was before we knew if they were going to offer them again and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting time. And that plays into number two on our list. Our second story that comes from Isle of Man on, uh, the Walt Disney World subreddit. And that is a report, uh, from the Wall Street Journal as told by WDW Magic that Bob Iger, quote, Bob Iger reportedly alarmed by increases in prices at Disney theme parks under Bob Chapek. Um, you know, dog bites man, film at 11. Like everybody would have been alarmed to see that because I feel like, the the prices have become kind of insane. If you go through kind of the bullet points of this story, uh, the Walt Disney, the Walt the Wall Street Journal, not the Wall Street Journal, the respected news organization, the Wall Street Journal, Iger was quote alarmed by increases in prices at Disney theme parks under Mr. Chapek, and he argued and Chapek argued that they would boost revenue and limit overcrowding. He also said, quote, this is the the quote that a lot of people are running with in this article, is that. Uh, Bob Iger said that Bob Chapek, quote, he's killing the soul of the company, end quote, which is a very damning uh, quote indeed. Uh, Matt, do you believe Iger's quote that Chapek was killing the soul of the company? I can only speak, I guess, from my perspective and what other people I see online are saying. And I certainly think there was... Uh, relational damage that occurred for sure, but I, it's hard to say because there were there were instances. Now I, you know, we don't know everything, but you know, letting Feige or yeah, Kevin Feige do his thing with Marvel Studios, like not being involved in that, it seems like letting them do some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the Star Wars production that they've done. Now I don't know how involved or not involved, but I mean I don't. I don't know if he could, you could say like he was killing it completely, but you know, if anyone's going to know the best, if anyone's going to have the best take on that, it's probably going to be someone who's been in that role and has a pulse on what's going on when it comes to storytelling and Amber, the was he killing the soul of the company? Yes, he was sucking a drunk. You know? I mean, <laughs> like I said, I really just always go back to the, the people that are working there. Like, and it, so many things happened at once. I mean, Magical Express went away. You know, they rolled out Genie Plus. You know, so you just, I felt like a lot of people felt like they were losing convenience and value because that was like one of the nice things. And, you know, I have a six, six year old stepdaughter and like traveling with her and, you know, but when she was younger, needing a car seat and like Magical Express was perfect. It was, it was just so easy, but then, you know, those things started to go away and then COVID, you know, happened and it, it's like costs started going up and it was add on, add on, add on. Like I booked a dessert party for tomorrow night and there's three different ones now. <laughs> like there used to be one and now there's three because I feel like they're just trying to get as much money out of you as possible right now. Um, I mean, it's great though. It gives people options. So I'm a fan of, you know, letting people kind of pick 
their experience to that extent. But I was like, how many? And then there's like, there's three at Magic Kingdom. Then you could do a boat one where you could watch the. It was just like, there's actually four then, I guess. There's actually four. I was like, this is just a little. And it, it it's overwhelming for someone who goes as often as I do. I can't imagine trying to plan a vacation now if I've never been. I would probably give up because there's just so much. Like you have to figure out Genie Plus and how you're going to get your family from the airport or whatever to the hotel and, you know all that other stuff. So it just, it felt like maybe it was bad timing. So I can't say it was all him. This, this is, again, could have been things in the works, but I know like people said, well, you know, we saw it the last week, people posting about $29 Genie plus days because of the surge pricing now. And, and originally I thought they said, Oh, it'll be 15, but then it was like, just kidding, double the price. So it just kind of feels bad. It's hard. I mean, I'm not trying to be Mr. Monopoly with my monocle and capitalism, you know, like guideline book, because I think one of the things that I, I feel like I saw a lot of people say in the, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, when the parks were starting to get more and more crowded was we got to raise prices. It's the only thing that we can do to limit, you know, limit crowds, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I, I guess I understand the concept of that. I don't necessarily think that it works. Uh, as we've seen, because the prices keep going up and maybe this is, you know, what is it? The the delayed COVID trips that people keep saying and people putting it off now. But we're in this new world where who knows when, if that's going to ever level out. Is this the new norm at Disney in 2022? Or I'm sorry, in 2024, 2025? Are we going to go back to, you know, Epcot, uh, you know, future world or world celebration or all those places are going to have 10 people in them at 9 a.m. like they used to. I don't know. I, I mean, it's kind of crazy what this new Disney parks and Disney company seems like. With that said, do you guys think that we're ever going to see, because everybody's always thought the number one thing, you know, Iger's coming in, he'll, he'll be able to lower prices, get rid of the nickel and diming, you know, all of this stuff. Do you think that we're ever going to see prices come down across the board or are we just going to maybe now have this plateaued so that we're not going to have the constant seemingly every four to five month increases? So I think what he could do, I'm not saying this is again, rumor. I think if he brought back the dining plan, people would just go nuts. I don't think people would care if the prices stayed the same if they brought back the dining plan and did maybe like, you know, the, what they used to do, the the resort packages where get free dining, blah, blah, blah. People would lose their mind. <laughs> like they have been asking for that since they took it away. And he could literally just come and do that, nothing else. And I guarantee you people would be happy. Like... <laughs> Matt, are we going to see uh, uh, prices come down? Do you do you think the dining plan is the 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 magic uh, the magic wand that's going to fix it all? Oh, you know there there's no way it'll go down. I don't think, but uh, I will say that what is probably the most jarring is the difference between prices going up and prices going up and. And um, service going down options or like, uh, service going down. I think that is, that's, if you have the dining plan, stay the same service wise and prices go up. There's the initial like, all right, prices go up. Um, but to, to have the prices go up and then magical express is removed or fast passes are removed from your ticket and et cetera, et cetera. Having things that are, included so to speak or come free i mean you you are paying for it it's just part of a package to have to have those things return in some form or fashion that is even if they hid those prices or those costs back in the uh, the other prices for resorts or for even the tickets i think there would be a little bit less disgruntlement uh and i don't see the prices going down by any means but to see services be reintroduced into things already that you're paying for, I could see that being a way in which prices are quote unquote reduced or kept stable or stabilized or whatever you want to, however you want to phrase that. I would hope that. that in addition to all of that, because they're still, even with a $1.5 billion loss in the streaming 
department side of the the company, they're still making good money, especially in the parks. Uh, so I would love to see them bump up the 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 pay for for cast members, and that in turn not only will help the cast members they have, but will hopefully get more people who want to work at Walt Disney or who want to make that magic and be cast members, allow them to actually apply for those jobs and hold them so they have a livable wage that they can actually live in Central Florida on to be able to do all that. And then when hopefully these services come back, we have people there to staff the places to actually do them. That is my hope. I, you know, Maybe I'm pie in the sky optimist, but I'm hoping that we can just pay the cast members a little bit more because they're the ones who make everything happen. It's it's all them at the end of the day. And one of those cast members might be walking around next to the person in the photo for our number three story. This one comes to us from user Donut42 from 10 days ago. He, th- he says, thanks to everyone who gave me advice on finding Kevin in Animal Kingdom. I got a good selfie with her. And it's a nice selfie. You can see the camera in his uh, his super, super shiny sunglasses uh, with Kevin, who for my money is probably a top three walk around character in Walt Disney World, uh, specifically in Animal Kingdom. Kevin, of course, the large bird from the movie Up, the Pixar movie Up. So it got me to thinking, Amber, who is your favorite walk around character? It has to be Kevin, right? I mean, the expressiveness of that costume i just i love it like i didn't realize when i when we first took my stepdaughter um she's four and he was and she was walking around excuse me and that like made her lost she lost her mind she she had never even seen the movie <laughs> love with the bird you know and then <laughs> and then oddly enough we were walking then we saw like russell and that, and that was really cool i just think i don't know because it's She's just like such a silly costume. And maybe it's the eyes and the expressiveness of the face and the head bobbing everywhere. But definitely, I think it's it's got to be that. Or or maybe Alice around the teacups, maybe. But no, I think it's Kevin. Matt, who's who is the uh, who's your favorite all time walk around character? Oh, or current? You know? Oh my! Uh, yeah, current. I don't know. There. Um, there was something special at Disneyland, and I've seen him a lot at Disney World, but uh, sans all of the uh, controversy uh, surrounding this, the actor, but Jack Sparrow walking around is really cool. Um, I've always found his interactions to be pretty, pretty funny, but you know, how do you, I love Mickey and Minnie, seeing them around, they're pretty available, so that's always, you know. That's I do, I actually agree tip. with you. I think in terms of like a current character who you can kind of catch in the parks. I love the Jack Sparrow walk around because he does the, you know, he sneaks up behind people. He's got the walk down. You kind of, even if he's just walking by you and he gives you like the little wave, like you feel like that's really Jack Sparrow there. Like you really get that. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Jack Sparrow in there. I also really liked very short lived. Did you guys ever see the Muppet mobile lab at Epcot? So it was uh, Beaker and professor Bunsen honeydew. And it was very much like a, a, a push the trash can or, or any of the, you know, an incognito cast member controlling them, walking around with them. But it was like a little rocket ship on a almost Segway-esque two wheels that would walk around. And, uh, and I mean, I, I love the Muppets. Muppets are top three all time show, movies, whatever. I love the Muppets. So seeing them out and being able to interact with them. And just seeing, literally, here's Beaker going, me, 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 like that kind of, like, I love that. I love the Muppets, and I love seeing that out there. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, a notable notable little caveat for Sweetums, because he walks out at the end of uh, Muppets Vision 3D. So I like Sweetums and the Muppets, too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what is, so with that, I wanted to know your thoughts, because Animal Kingdom is one of those parks that I still see on the subreddit a lot when people who maybe aren't super huge Disney fans, but they come in asking for advice, trip planning and things like that. They always say like, can I get away with only doing animal kingdom half day? Can I, can, can I, you know, is animal kingdom a full day park? I, I don't like that thinking. Cause I think animal kingdom, animal kingdom is my favorite park. I think of all of them, but does animal kingdom need more attractions, rides, thrill rides, whatever it is, or cause it seems like, 
they really invest in an ambiance, in the vibe. You know, you see Kevin walk around. Divine, who's the, the woman who looks like the vines that's on the stilts and things like that walking around. Uh, you know, do you think that Animal Kingdom needs to invest more into actual, you know, built rides, attractions? Or do we think this kind of entertainment, walk-around stuff, is that enough for Animal Kingdom right now? I would love to get your thoughts. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think because, it, it, you know, I, I often don't stay there um, that long. Really? I feel like after lunch, maybe around two, we're done everything we kind of want to do. Um, and I always kick myself because I, I still haven't seen Pandora at night. And I keep seeing pictures and I'm like, why do I keep forgetting to do that? But I don't know, maybe because there's not like a solid nighttime show anymore. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's because of the animals going away. There's not like a there's no fireworks, no nothing. There's, yeah. you know, the the tree awakening is cool, but I don't know if that's on the same level as any other nighttime spectacular. Yeah. And I get it, like I, I don't want to do anything to annoy the animals, obviously, but like it's just one of those things. I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? Like, I mean, because if we we go without a kid, we're not gonna go to the petting zoo. I mean, honestly, I might, but you know what I mean. Like, you're not gonna spend as much time there, so it kind of just depends i think on your group um honestly to me i i think they could use something i know there's some rumors they may do some stuff the dinoland usa <laughs> yeah demo that try some stuff um so that'll be interesting and you know i don't know if maybe with the new avatar movie coming out they might you know want to do a little something with that if there's room you know maybe make some changes so yeah i think it needs something i don't know what but I think it does, especially because they built that big like amphitheater, you know, like and they, they did have a nighttime. Rivers show. of Light. Yeah, Rivers of Light lasted what a, a I, year. I one time, and I still forgot to go to Pandora. I just like left because I was getting eaten alive by bugs. <laughs> I just like didn't even think to stay. But yeah, they had that, and then they, you know, they got they just got rid of what Kite Tales. Yep, Kite Tales had his final performance a so month or good. so ago. I guess it's just a, you know, you need to sit down for a bit and not just kind of look at the water kind of thing. That's what that's the only thing there right now. Matt, what's what's next for Animal Kingdom? Yeah. They need Yeah, no, I think it is it's a great park, but it definitely needs something to get you through that midday hump and whether that's you know, a show, some sort of show on that, the river area, the amphitheater, something it, there, there just needs to be a draw to really keep you there, um, for the full day. Besides, I will say Amber that the Pandora at night is pretty incredible. Um, my, I would say, yeah, probably my favorite or if not definitely a top three, if not my favorite nighttime transition at, uh, all of Disney world. But, it's incredible. Um, there's, there's just, especially if you get Animal Kingdom's one where you could probably get away with not using Genie Plus, but especially if you use Genie Plus, you can make it through pretty much everything by two o'clock or so. You said, um, and even, I mean, I've done a day where I've been on the safari, been on Everest, been on Flight of Passage, been on this. Uh, seen the Lion King show, seen, I went and saw a bird show, saw the Finding Nemo musical, and it was about time the park hop. So it definitely, I think, could use something, but I'm not sure. I'm sure redoing Dino Land is, or putting something else there is a great idea. Now, depending on what that idea is, we'll see. But I, I do think it could use some, at least one or two other things, whether that's a new area to replace Dino Land or a night show or both. Um, I, I don't know. I think it could use a little bit more for sure. Animal Kingdom is my favorite park. I love it. But I will be the first to admit too that if you're not into kind of like, let's lounge around, let's kind of just meander. Definitely a park that I think most people, if they're going, let me do everything it has. Let me hit all the rides, everything like that. You can leave it early, but I think you'd be missing some stuff if you do that. I'm also saying that as somebody who has a, a four-year-old son who loves to just go into the boneyard and dig for like 30 minutes on end and go to the slide. So that fills <laughs> yeah. up a lot of time for me. Let's talk a little bit because you mentioned those nighttime spectaculars and you were talking about the ones in Disneyland. We talked about what Animal Kingdom might need. 
Our number four story, as we wrap up our stories here pretty soon, comes to us from user. Oh, it went away. Uh, sorry, from uh, what is it? Deldridge 2008. It's fireworks in the fog. It's from about four days ago. A foggy night at the Magic Kingdom for the fireworks spectacular. Uh, I wanted to say, like, when I looked at it, and somebody, uh, cubic, uh, what is it, Cub Arcan or Cubican, the number one uh, comment on it was, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked, which is a great Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> reference, and I appreciate it, and I'm here for it. It made me think a little bit, and I wanted to ask you guys, what is your favorite uh, nighttime spectacular that you've ever seen in a Disney park? Matt, what was it? World of Color? Was it just recently the World of Color? Is that overtaking everything for you? Uh, no. I my and I was thinking about that during World of Color. Um, just be not because it was a, I it's not a it's not a top three for me. But I was thinking trying to like rank certain things, and I will say I haven't seen Disney World's Fantasmic in over a decade. Um. So I, I kind of want to hold off for that. But I think my favorite nighttime spectacular, like I said, I love the holidays, is the the during the Mickey's very merriest Christmas party. Those Christmas, those Christmas holiday, that show is probably, I, th- I would say that one is, is my favorite all time that I've seen, um, at least in recent wow. memory. Amber, favorite nighttime spectacular. What do you got for me? Oh, that's tough because honestly, I was thinking World of Color, but um, I was lucky enough to see Paint the Night when I went to Disneyland in 2015. Oh. And like, it's just, it was so beautiful. The colors are just so vibrant. And I, I often wish, I was like, God, I wish they would bring that to Walt Disney World. I'd love to see it again. Um, so yeah, I'm surprised. I think I'm going to say probably Paint the Night Parade. I, I love that so much. It's just, the color, it just, it was crazy. I do love World of Color. That's probably second. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm like, uh, Disney, I really want to say Wishes. I do I do miss Wishes, honestly. Um, but I know that's not coming back, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious. I mean, I didn't even, I, I hadn't even thought about parades. That changes everything in my mind. Um, I know that it's come back a million times. Uh, and said it's going away forever, but now it's back. Like the Main Street Electrical Light Parade, like the Baroque Hoedown is just ingrained in my mind from a kid listening to it on tape and all of that. I love that. But, God, and I loved Paint the Night too. I think it might be, for me personally, I loved World of Color. I saw it, my one and only time I saw it was in 2016. And I remember talking to a cast member there when we were waiting and I told him at the time I, I was working in the NBA and I kind of told him like my job, you know, I, I'm kind of do special effects and I, the, the show of it all. So like, this is really interesting to me. And I remember he seemed like interested and was talking to me about it. And then right before it started, he came up behind me and he goes like, Hey man, it's about to start. Let your imagination soar. And then walked away. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to say, but like, I'm about this. Let's go. And I knew nothing of it. So I really liked the show. And then that was when the cryo jets were like in the little, uh, the little grass areas. I had no idea about it. Like, oh man, I, I loved that show as it was. I think that might be number one for me, and then Paint the Night's number two. Uh, but man, I'll, I'll, I and to to the wishes end, I am a happily ever after guy. I like that one too. I do. Um, I've I'm I have a dessert party tomorrow night to see the new show, which I've not seen. I've been since they released it, but I've kind of been ignoring it because I heard it was bad. <laughs> Um, so I'll be interesting to see this one, but yeah, I, I actually really do. I, at first I wasn't sure if I was going to like the projections on the castle because I'm like, Oh, it's just changing. You know, everything is changing and it just kind of felt like weird, but now I love them. So I do also love happily ever after. Um, but it's, it's funny to me. None of us picked, we all picked kind of like not things I was expecting anyone to agree with me with. We, we kind of all picked parades or other things that I, I, I'm surprised no one's picking, you know, like happily ever after or something like that. I'm surprised right. that we all kind of went like parades, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I'm, I've seen Fantasmic. I had, a, I did the dinner package once. Like it was cool. I personally don't get the like rampant fandom for a Fantasmic. It's, it's not 
my thing, I guess. The new one looks cool with Moana mm. and like all the kind of the new stuff they've added, but I don't know. It seemed really cool, but it just it wasn't <clears> my thing. It, I, I I like other things more. And to that end, something that I think none of us like is something rumored about in our number five and final story of our headlines. This one coming from, oh, look at that, user Amber Hearts Disney, the magical moderator of the R. Walt Disney World subreddit and right here on the podcast. So I'll let you kind of talk to this, but this is coming from uh, WDWmagic.com. The rumor that there's a major overhaul of the Disney Park Pass reservation and park hopping coming to Walt Disney World in the new year. So I'll summarize it, and then Amber, I'd like your uh, I'd like your take first. But basically, this is saying that uh, they're coming in, Iger's coming in, and he's saying, hey, guys, this stuff doesn't work. We're going to change it up. We're going to get rid of the park pass system, except for annual pass holders. And we're going to get rid of park hopping at 2 o'clock, except for annual pass holders. Uh, Amber, what's your reaction to this uh, this park pass and park hop overhaul? So I, I'm DVC and I'm an AP holder, so I hope I don't get screwed because I'm like, what about the hotel guests? <laughs> you know, like how else I can back? So I'll just kind of, you know, forget about that for a second. But yeah, I think I think it's definitely needed, especially for people who don't have annual passes. This could be like a once a lifetime trip or once every three or five years, and you maybe didn't plan as much as you needed to or didn't realize that you know, oh, we did all this stuff. It's you know, 11 o'clock, what are we going to do for two hours? We just have to stay here and meander around, you know, like, so I think, I think it will be nice to kind of end that because the way it is now, like you have to make sure, you know, you have your park reservations and then you have to make sure your dining matches up. And I feel like it it doesn't give you the flexibility maybe that a lot of people are missing. Um, So I think that'll be nice. You know, unfortunately, annual pass holders, they just assume most of them live in Florida. But I feel like a a large percent, I don't know what that is, maybe don't because a lot of DVC members or people who just go more than once a year have annual passes. And, you know, sometimes before COVID, we were going three, four times a year. Um, And so, yeah, we were like, like, oh, no, what what about hotel guests? But, yeah, I think I think, you know, they tried it. They can't say that they didn't do that. And I think it will kind of be a welcome, a welcome thing just to give people maybe a little bit more flexibility, which is nice. Matt, you, what was your initial reaction when you saw that they were going to, the rumor was they're going to get rid of the past system and park hopping limitation, the 2 PM park hop limitation. Yeah, I'm all for it. It has to be less complicated. (laughs) It, it, I mean, honestly, even between, I know Disneyland has reservations too. But between Disney World and Disneyland, my spreadsheet for Disney World is about 10 sheets, <laughs> and my Disneyland was one sheet. I mean, it it needs to be less complicated to go to Disney World, and I think that's a piece of the puzzle. I am an AP holder, so that does provide some complexities when um, I do have that limit, which then, you know, then you have that all right, I should probably, if I want to take a longer trip, because I am out of state, then I need to get a hotel that provides me those mm-hmm. additional reservations, because I don't know if those are going to be available, and they seem to be available, but then randomly they're not <laughs> for different, so it can be uh, anything, and with dining reservations, I mean, those are so difficult to get, and let's say you have some flexibility, or you want some flexibility, and something opens up, well, let's say a phantasmic dining package opens up that you want to get. If that's not a day you've made a reservation, uh, I guess theoretically it could be after two o'clock, but if it was a lunch one, you would be out of luck on that. Or if it was a breakfast one, there's, there's nothing you could do because Hollywood studios is probably taken by the time that you're getting that close to your trip. Uh, I think there's certainly, I'm sure they certainly perks from operations side of things, but they, I think there's other ways to solve that problem besides putting the problem on the guests and making that complicated. I remember, and I know it's on the website a million times to make reservations. So it's, it seems very clear, but still I remember walking up to Epcot and I was walking through the gates and we were passing guest services in this family of four were at the gate and they had the tickets and they had no reservations. And 
they were like, well, can we make a reservation for Epcot? And they said, oh, no, it's out. And they were like, can we go to any park? And they said, no, they're all take the, all the reservations are taken. So you're, I mean, what do you do with your family? If you're, I don't know how you remedy that situation. And that surely I know JPEG's out, but that's the Colorado family of four that he's talking mm-hmm. about and they're getting shut out of the park. So clearly there's a difference between what all of that was being talked about and what was really happening on the ground and if they were to get rid of that or at least make it easier somehow, I think that would go a long way in guest satisfaction. Yeah, I, I think that you guys hit the nail on the head with that. Because I feel, I always feel, what is that family going through? Because when, when you say that, like, I can't imagine going up, my son being super excited. We've talked this up. We're all excited. And then we get there, we tap our magic band and it doesn't work. And there's not a recourse to fix it. It's just, it is what it is. That is heartbreaking to me. And I just, yes, they, they message it and they talk about the reservations that's on the website and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes stuff happens and, and, and that messaging can get lost. So I get it. Is attendance really down though? That that's something I, I wanted to look more into because they said that well, they'll control, they'll control the crowds, but everyone I've no. heard, it's like, I see pictures and I'm like, this is the worst it's ever been that I've ever seen. Like I, I'm a touring plan subscriber. So I, I routinely, I'll just load it up and see. And I'm like, this time of the year after Thanksgiving, like the park should not be at a seven. And there are some of them are sevens. And I'm like, it never, it used to be three, fours and fives, like the week after Thanksgiving, except Christmas, obviously. But like, this was a good time of the year to go. The weather was, to- you know, tolerable. And then like, all of a sudden there's like six, sevens and eights. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't think this is working how they say it was working. Yeah, I think they, they always yeah. said that they, they had the reservation system in there so they can manage attendance. But at the end of the day, you're right. The parks seem more crowded than they ever have. And it's just now it's so they can know, oh, then we can have if there's a million people in the parks today, that means there's going to be 600,000 people buying lightning lanes and stuff like that. Like, I feel like that's probably that's the cynic in me thinking that. But that seems like what it is. I don't know all the ins and outs of the inside part of it, but I think you're right in that while it was pitched to the general public as a way to limit capacity so that that Colorado family of four can have a great experience in no way, shape, or form was that how it was actualizing in reality. I I just don't see it there. With that said, those are the headlines, our top five front page stories from the past two weeks. And of course, there are some things we missed. We don't know what it is. Uh, We can't get every single story on here. So we talk about the Disney things of here's what we missed. Let's start with Matt first. Matt, what are some of the things we missed over the last couple weeks? Yeah, I wanted to take a second and talk about some of the different offerings on Disney plus or the different movies that have come out, um, really quick kind of, uh, reviews on that, but Andor just wrapped up. That was a phenomenal series. If you haven't seen it, that's a, even that's a star Wars series, right? Yeah. So even if you're, I don't know if it's this, well, it's definitely this good. I don't know if it's this accessible. I feel like it's pretty accessible, but even if you're not into star Wars, the storytelling is phenomenal top-notch type of storytelling and dialogue and directing and writing. All of it is top-notch. Avatar is coming out next month, so tickets went on sale for that. Uh, Really gearing up, I hope. Uh, I'm kind of rooting for it, so we'll see how that goes. Um, But I I think it could have some legs, and and China is allowing it to be shown, so that's a pretty big win, I think, from Disney's point of view. Did I see... I think it was a TikTok, but somebody did the financial math on it and they said something to the effect of for Avatar, the way of water to be to break even. I think it had to gross $2 billion. Like it had to be the most successful movie of all time for it to break even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) James Cameron, I think there was some quote and I thought this was hilarious, but it was he wanted to spend $50 million on something. And I think they said, I think Disney or Fox or whoever was at the time told him no about this $50 million spend. And he allegedly said, I, I didn't, I'm, I made Titanic, which is the most successful at the time financial movie 
up until Avatar so that I could buy whatever I want, basically. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. He James Cameron, I'm sure, could be pretty polarizing. I think he's hilarious with the stuff he says. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, th- I could see how he could rub, rub a lot of people the wrong way. I, I don't know. I think it's funny. And I'm, I'm rooting for the movie, at least. I mean, he does have... Like I just looked it up, he he does have the number one movie right now at well, well of all time, Avatar, and then the third movie, Titanic, is also his. And so, like, I guess he makes pretty good movie. You know, like obviously, Avengers Endgame is second. Um, but yeah, he he is he's 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 got three, you know, two of the top three. So hopefully, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I did he knows see something. I did see a TikTok too, just about the Avatar thing. Apparently Matt Damon was giving like a, an actor studio type of interview. And somebody asked, what's like the, num- what's the, the biggest thing you regret in, in your career? And he goes, you know, one time Jim, James Cameron called him and offered him Avatar and said like, Hey, uh, you know, the movie doesn't need you. Like the, the movie doesn't need a star. Uh, the movie is the star, but I think you could be really good in this role as the lead role. And he, like, the, it didn't work out scheduling-wise with the Bourne Ultimatum, the final Bourne film. And Matt Damon was like, I really got to see this through. You know, it's our third movie. Like, I, I really, I, I feel I'm committed to this. And James Cameron said, okay, totally understand. Uh, last ditch, I'll give you 10% of the movie. I'll give you 10% of whatever the movie does to, to sign on and do it. And D- Matt Damon was like, really appreciate it. But I... I really have to finish the born ultimatum. Sorry, can't do Avatar. Oops, that was. <laughs> I bet you he kicks himself every day for that. Yeah, Matt. Are there any other movies that will people will regret not being in that you wanted to spotlight? Uh, I don't think so. The Guardian special was was funny. Uh, it's a pretty lighthearted. I don't even know if it's an hour. Uh, Drax and Mantis, right? That's they're they're the stars of it. Yeah. They're the primary uh, protagonists, but there's some funny things in it. It's it is one of the lowest stakes. <laughs> there there are some things in it that are pretty significant, I would say, but in terms on the whole, one of the lowest stakes MCU. It's a fun holiday special, um, very you know profound family, and I I don't know I appreciate those types of things, yeah. Well, check out those things on Disney Plus and in theaters uh, that are out there. Uh, Amber, we talked a little bit about Star Wars Andor. You have a story that we might have missed. If you're a Star Wars fan, you really want to know about, right? Yeah, so this was actually, and we don't know which Bob did this, right? We don't know. Um, (laughs) The first ever discounts for the Star Cruiser um, actually were released last week, and they're only for DVC members. You have to be, you know, a member of the Disney Vacation Club. But they were offering 30% off. Um, it's a big discount right up front. Which is huge. So you had to either use points or cash. But the, the main thing is you have to be a DVC member. Or, I guess, be friends with someone and have them book it for you. Um, so I'm kicking myself because I did it last year without the discount. I'm like, uh, uh. it would have been worth it if I paid 30% less. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, because I've, I've heard some rumors that they're running it. 25% capacity. So it's, they have a lot of room and they need to do something. So again, I don't know which Bob did it. Um, but if you're a DVC member, you can now get 30% off select nights um, at the Star Cruise. Do you think, sorry, Amber, do you think it would be more of an experience with less people or does, does, does it need a lot of people to give it the energy? What, what would you think? So, that's a really good question um i think the cast members do the best that they can and even when we went i went on may the 4th so you know like star wars day may the 4th be with Mm -hmm. you um yeah like so i thought it would be it was pretty busy i don't think we were at 100 percent. i think um when the reviews started coming out a lot of dates started kind of opening so i think maybe when we went we were maybe um, all the dinners looked full, so I'm gonna say maybe ninety, ninety-five percent. I don't know because I'm just judging by like open space and the tables when we went. Um, I think they did a mostly okay job, you know, given the amount of people, um, because it, it seemed like there were some kids, but I think maybe when we went, ten percent were maybe kids, 
So most of the rooms were just two people occupancy or, or adults. Um, and they try to space it out. They try to, except for like the main story points, they try to keep people spread out. So it never really felt like a lot unless you were at the dinner or doing one of the, like everyone to this area kind of thing. Um, so yeah, definitely if you, if you have the ability to go for 30% off and crowds are low, it would probably be a really cool experience because you get to interact with cast members. That's, I mean, I, I want to do it because I mean, I'm a Dungeons and Dragons guy. I like role-playing, like all of that. I'm about it. Um, I just cannot justify the price tag as a stance. Uh, and, and my, you know, I'm that person in my family. My wife and son are not that kind of like they, that is not the type of interaction that they'll enjoy so like i can't justify it just for me for sure uh but 30 percent off makes it makes it closer to the realm of well maybe i could swing it there are groups on facebook if you're a solo traveler where I, and this is i'm like i don't know i don't know if i want to room with strangers but there are groups on facebook where you could say okay i'm looking to go um you know kind of to lessen the cost would you like to bunk with me and so in most of the rooms i mean you could there's, you know, one, like, I guess it's a queen bed and then the two bunks for at least the standard room. So you could do it with three people. If you didn't want to sleep with someone, you could do four, I guess. There's somebody out there. But, yeah, I mean, that would make it a lot more affordable, especially with the 30% off. You could, like, wow. make some friends. But, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know these people, you know. Like, this is my stuff. <laughs> when I've done a cruise in the past, I was it was weird that they sat me at a table with another couple next to us. Like, I don't know if I could bunk with people I don't know completely. But... If I want it bad enough, maybe that is the plan. But 30% off if you're a DVC member. I assume this obviously is a direct DVC member. Resale people probably not going to be able to participate. Yeah, yeah. If you're because they did change that a couple years ago and they've yeah. kind of made tweaks. But yeah, you have to be like I don't think you could buy resale after a certain point. Like you have to be from Disney. They have a lot of um, you know, stipulations. Stipulations. That, so I can't remember yeah. them all, but yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the newer real resale contracts you can't do any of those things you don't get any perks no discounts perks, no nothing they want to kind of penalize you for buying not full price <laughs> so. yeah well my thing that we missed talking about cruises and the skyliner which is essentially a cruise without the cruise ship um this was kind of an out of left field i feel like i i saw people talking about it for like a week or two before it actually happened but the disney cruise line announced that it's going to acquire the unfinished global dream cruise ship that's currently still under construction in Germany. It, it was a, a cruise ship that was being built for uh, Genting Hong Kong, which ran Disney, or I'm sorry, ran Dream Cruises, Crystal Cruises, and Star Cruises. Uh, but they filed for bankruptcy in January. And Disney swooped in and said, basically, hey, we'll take the 208,000 gross ton ship, which is larger than any ship in the current Disney Cruise Line. They are expecting it to... Um, they're expecting it to come out and join the fleet in 2025. So uh, they they said that they they didn't disclose how much they bought it for, but Disney Cruise Line said they were able to quote secure it at a favorable price. So I'm guessing that is 10 cents on the dollar or some crazy number like that. But as somebody who's looking to do a, a Disney cruise in the next couple of years, maybe I'll be on this new huge ship. Who knows? Uh, so. If you're a Disney Cruise Line fan, want to know more about that or more about any of the stories we talked about today on the show, make sure to check the notes uh, of the description of this podcast. We'll have links to everything. And hey, that is our show. That is our show for today. And the Wall Street Journal is, of course, brought to you by the R Walt Disney World subreddit. Find it at reddit.com slash, uh, sorry, reddit.com slash r slash Walt Disney World. On there, you can find a link to the Discord. Join us in the Discord. Talk about all things Walt Disney World and just meet some cool people. Amber, thank you for joining us on this episode. Is there anything you want to say to the people before we head out? Oh, boy, put me on the spot. No, like just, <laughs> you know, uh, the nice thing about the Discord is if, if you're trying to plan and you're kind of a new person, um, a lot of us will chime in and give you, you know, advice real time <laughs> like we literally had people join this week and they're at the park and they had a question and people were answering quickly so i highly recommend if you're you know you're new to discord um definitely you know join our server because there's a lot of really great super helpful people there so magic band matt or as we're calling them go to walt disney world and disneyland all the time matt 
Uh, he's got like 2% left on his, uh, on his battery. Matt, what do you have to say to the people before we get out of here? Yeah, no, I would definitely second Amber. I know, I mean, I plan so much and hopefully I'm helpful for other people. I try to be, uh, but I know that people on the discord literally as Amber was talking about that, it reminded me someone's there right now this week. And I was asking, what are people wearing? Because there are things like, all right, I need a pack for a trip next week. You can look on weather.com or wherever you find your weather, and you can have an idea for what that is going to feel like. But if you live in a different climate, it could be et cetera, et cetera. But the point is there are people there in the Discord that are available pretty often to answer in park little questions. Where's my stroller? People probably can't answer that. But I I definitely second what Amber said about um, utilizing Discord and Reddit for really personalized uh and pretty 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 great and helpful answers well there you go if you are planning your next walt disney world disneyland trip even come on over to the discord come on over to the subreddit we've got people that can help you out you of course can email us at walt street journal podcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter hey twitter's still around you can follow us there walt st journal on twitter and uh you know what that's going to wrap up our show for today. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Matt. Thank you guys for listening. As always, the Wall Street Journal is here for you to enjoy every other week. And hey, we'll see you real soon on the next episode.